the Trump Dynasty and Statute 6312. I'm Gloria Moraga. This is the Political Woman Podcast. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Please subscribe. Please follow me on TikTok and YouTube. And obviously, please follow the podcast. I'm going to be reading from the ruling against Donald Trump. What ruling, you ask? There have been so many rulings against him lately, and there are going to be more. I'm talking about the Supreme Court of the state of New York. 35-page decision, and it has to do with his New York hotel dynasty. I'm not going to read the entire document, just parts of it, enough to explain how this law got Donald Trump. Now, this decision seriously, critically damaging the former president and his real estate empire in New York, an empire that he inherited from his father and from his grandfather. And throughout the years, contrary to his PR and marketing, which is great, it's so great, so many people believe him, millions. He's a big loser. He's lost money and so much more. The law I'm talking about is Executive Law 6312. Now, one of Trump's lies, he's claiming that the law has never been used before. We're going to dive into Statute 6312, and it has been used a lot. The law was enacted nearly 70 years ago when Jacob K. Javits was New York's Attorney General. And since then, it has been like a go-to law for the Attorney General's office in New York. And it has been central center of the universe in a wide range of recent civil actions and lawsuits that have actually resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars in settlement. So New York Attorney General Letitia James' lawsuit is not even Trump's first run-in with this particular statute. Her predecessors employed it in legal actions against Trump for his for-profit venture, Trump University, and his family charity, the Trump Foundation, both of which paid millions of dollars to resolve the cases, and the foundation was was dissolved. Do you remember this? In the charity scam. Trump's charity scam was a nightmare. It was supposed to uh, raise money for a number of projects, including the city's Meals on Wheels that help older people get food that they need to live. It uh, ripped off the United Negro College Fund and the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, among other things. During the course of this lawsuit, Trump admitted, among other things, to arranging for the charity to pay for a $10,000 six-foot portrait of, you guessed it, of Trump. Oh, man. He also agreed to pay back 11000 in foundation funds that he spent on sports memorabilia and champagne at a charity gala. So this is money that's supposed to be going to, to old people who are hungry in New York, and he spends it on a portrait of himself. Oh, man. This guy, 
And we all remember the university scam, Trump University. Trump fought this case for years and years. And finally, in 2016, he resolved the matter with a $25 million settlement. So see, when he says, they've never used this law, they've never used this law, I'm trying to imitate him like Michael Cohen does, but I can't do it. When he says that, it's a big fat lie. Because not only have they used it hundreds of times against other corporations, they've used it twice against him for his scams and his grifting. All right, so to the ruling. It's the people of New York versus Donald Trump et al. So it includes his two old kids, the two old boys, the old man, Alan Weisselberg, the man who's already gone to jail for Trump, and another high-ranking Trump business dude, scammer, Jeffrey McConney. And here's how the document begins, quote, After presiding over a non-jury trial that began on October 2nd, 2023, and ended on December 13th, 2023, with closing arguments on January 11th, 2024, this court makes the following findings of fact and conclusions of law and issues this decision and order. Summary. Donald Trump and entities he controls own many valuable properties, including office buildings, hotels, and golf courses. Acquiring and developing such properties required huge amounts of cash. Accordingly, the entities borrowed from banks and other lenders. The lenders required personal guarantees from Donald Trump, which were based on statements of financial condition compiled by accountants that Donald Trump engaged. The accountants created these compilations based on data submitted by the Trump entities. So in order to borrow more and more at lower prices, defendants submitted blatantly false financial data to the accountants, resulting in fraudulent financial statements. When confronted at trial with the statements, defendants, fact and expert witnesses, simply denied reality and defendants failed to accept responsibility or to impose internal controls to prevent future recurrences. As detailed herein, this court now finds defendants liable, continues the appointment of an independent monitor, orders the installation of an independent director of compliance, and limits defendants' right to conduct business in New York for a few years, end quote. Wow. So that's the whole enchilada right there. The court finds that they lied about their properties. They got their accountants to lie. When they were confronted with all these lies, instead of saying, oh man, yeah, we did it, they doubled down and said, like Donald Trump has said, oh, Mar-a-Lago's worth a thousand times more than what they say. Yada, yada. Big liar. Now, some people have contended, and this is just me talking, that this is a victimless crime. And the judge kind of lays out how this isn't a victimless crime. How when banks are lending money, large sums of money, 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and millions of dollars to someone who's lying about their properties, it takes away from others. And the banks really, in the long run, lose money, and insurance companies lose money, and it's bad for business to have crooks running things and ruining things for everybody else. I mean, it's, it's, it's the law, pure and simple. Important here, too, is the independent monitor and director of compliance. So not only is Trump hit with that huge fine, which I'll talk about in a sec, he's lost control of running his own company for a couple of years. And it could have been a permanent uh, losing of control, but the judge was prudent in this area, I think, because he wanted to avoid it being overturned on appeal. Then the document next lists all the defendants, as I've said, it's Donald Trump, the two old, old man, boy kids, and then the old man, and then the other guy. And then it lists um, what the plaintiff alleges the defendants did, and the plaintiff is this attorney general, Letitia James, and the state of New York. Plaintiff essentially alleges that one, the individual defendants, Donald Trump and the whole gang, Violated New York Executive Law 6312 by submitting false financial statements to banks and insurance companies to obtain better rates on loans and insurance coverage. And two, that the holding entities are liable for the individual defendants' misdeeds. Then he says, defendants. One, allege that the statements that they made were completely or substantially correct. So this is Donald Trump saying what he thinks, or his side. And two, that the borrowers paid back all loans fully and on time. So that's the end of the quote that kind of gives you the, the, the introduction to this case. And then Ingeron throws in a paragraph about common law fraud, and he goes on and on. I won't read it all. Bottom line, he says that common law fraud, which is not this particular statute, but regular fraud, is difficult to prove. And he said, therefore, he concludes, fraudsters were having a field day in New York prior to 6312. And here's an important quote for everybody who just talks about victimless crime stuff. Here's one of the key issues, quote, this court takes judicial notice that New York State, particularly New York City, is the financial capital of the country and one of the financial capitals of the world. The city's fabled Wall Street is synonymous with capital formation, investing, trading, lending, and borrowing. In a summary judgment decision and order dated September 26, 2023, the court addressed the state's judicially recognized interest in an honest marketplace. In varying contexts, courts have held that a state has a quasi-sovereign interest in protecting the integrity of the marketplace, end quote. And then Ingron cites case law here to, to back all this up. Because what he's saying is, you can't let crooked businesses like this, where you're just lying about how much your property is worth, you can't let that go, go on. Because it's bad for 
the city, it's bad for the state, it's bad for the country to allow these fraudsters lie about their property and get all this money from the banks. It's, it's not good. We're not living in you know, a communist country where you just let people do whatever because they have, are rich and they have power. Uh-uh. He's, he's right. It's right. It's the right thing. So after citing case law to back all this up and why this is important, he writes, quote, timely and total repayment of loans does not extinguish the harm that fault statements inflict on the marketplace. Indeed, the common excuse that everybody does it is all the more reason to strive for honesty and transparency and to be vigilant in enforcing the rules. Here, despite the false financial statements, it is undisputed that defendants have made all required payments on time. The next group of lenders to receive bogus statements might not be so lucky. New York means business in combating business fraud, end quote. Get it? So they repaid their, they repaid the fake fraudulent high inflated loans. But so what? What about the next guy? Got to set an example. So that's the end of this, these quotes from the document. Um, I'll go back and forth here. But the amount of money that Donald Trump was fined last week was at least $355 million. The old boy kids, man boys, were fined about $4 million, and the others were also fined. Interest is accruing as we speak. Now, Trump's going to appeal. Yes, that money's huge. But the other issue is that Trump is no longer going to be in charge of his dwindling New York real estate empire. He is going to be unable to do business in New York for three years, I think, in a period of time. And he's got these, these people now that are attached to his company making decisions on what he can and cannot do. And someone was saying after this decision that Trump's never had to answer to people and it's not going to go well. It's the law. There is tons of information on how he over-evaluated his properties. And I've done videos on this and I've done podcasts on this and I'll search and I'll include links. A little more background on section 6312. Trump's claim that statute 60 through 12 has never been used before, and that's a quote, is false. With the state of New York attorney general using the law to bring lawsuits against a northern leasing company, an e-cigarette company, J-U-U-L Labs. In fact, they sued using this statute. And in December 2022, Jewell agreed to a settlement reportedly between 1.2 and 1.7, get ready for it, billion with 10,000 plaintiffs. This is big. So yeah, they use this with other companies. Trump's such a liar and he's just got everybody fooled. Well, not everybody. He's got one third of the country fooled. Another company they use is a predatory lender. And there's so many cases. In fact, I have a whole big article on some of the cases, but it goes on and on and on. There's quite a few. It's a very powerful statute, says David Notchman, who used this statute 
many times during his 10 years as attorney general. He's the guy, the attorney general in New York, who brought the case against the opioid companies. He's now a visiting lecturer at Yale Law School. And he kind of explains why the law is so powerful. The power, he says, stems largely from a relatively low bar to proving fraud. In these cases, the attorney general's office does not have to show that defendants intended to defraud anyone or their actions resulted in financial loss. It can make a case based solely on significant misrepresentations or deceptive practices. And it goes on, but you get the gist. It gives the attorney general the power to stop this fraud. Which brings us to Trump's claim that this is all designed to attack him because he's running for president. The truth of the matter is this case was begun when Trump was president, years ago. And it's taken this long to get them, to get them to stop. Clearly, they lied about the worth of their properties. And as a result, they got all this extra money to do whatever they wanted with it. And they got lower interest rates and lower insurance rates and on and on. They fixed other companies while they were scamming the banks and getting money and then they would borrow money off those companies. I mean, it was a whole big shell game scam. I don't want to go on and on, but wow. It's important, and I did want to explain it. I will have some more. In other news, wow, my friends. Fonny, Fonny, Fonny. Fonny lost her temper last week, and she, so Fonny Willis and her attorney, they, they were fighting a subpoena that would have forced her to testify in the Georgia election fraud case and the allegations that she hired somebody so she could have him pay for expensive trips for her. As they're arguing about whether she should appear, and it even looked like the judge was going to let her off the hook, she stormed into the courtroom and said, I, I'm, I'm here. I'll testify. I want to testify. I want to testify. Oh, no, you don't have to testify. Oh, but I want to. Oh, let the bum testify. That's a Frank Sinatra bit. Anyway, yeah, what a story. And then also news broke on the payments to the porn star. We've got a trial date set. And there's stuff going on with uh, Jack Smith. And there's stuff going on down in Florida with that case. And I'm going to try to put together another podcast right now after I uh, do some chores, after I get this posted, and post at least the Fawny and the Porn Star updates for you. There's so much going on. We still don't have a Ukraine-Israel foreign aid bill. We still don't have a budget. <laughs> and the president was making a comment about the Russian freedom fighter, Alexei Navalny, who's killed. They've done so much to this man. They have tortured this man. He was poisoned. He almost died then. Then he went back to Russia to fight. And now he's dead. And it's just sad. It's just sad when we have this billionaire who spent his whole life stealing 
couldn't just run a good, decent business, no. And we have other people in the world who are fighting for freedom for their people. I, the whole Ukraine, the death of a freedom fighter, a Russian freedom fighter, I, um, I can barely talk about it because whenever I talk about it, I cry. I have a thing for um, men who fight for what's right in the world. I had a thing for Lech Walesa. Obviously, I had a thing for Nelson Mandela. I love these guys. It's like somebody to look up to, and we have women heroes as well. But this one was uh, really, really painful, and I won't get into it because I'll start crying. But now, since this happened, I have been on a crying jag about everything. Just uh, can't stop crying. Because of the, uh, you know, and uh, my sister says, uh, cry. It's good for you. Clean out the tear ducts. I'm Gloria Moraga, political woman. Please subscribe. These are um, confusing, <laughs> stressful, amazing times and we need to stick together. I'm Gloria Moraga, political woman. Please subscribe, please vote, and be safe.